Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello, friends near and far. My name is Joe Armstrong. Thank you ever so much for listening to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. This week on Independence Day, Ferghart. Ferghart's Craig Ferguson is an accomplished musician with well over a thousand gigs to his credit. He leads an award-winning bluegrass ensemble, has spent seven years backing Roots Music mashup master Cliff Wagner, has numerous performance credits on live television, and over 50 placements on film and TV. Through innate talent and hard work, Ferguson has established himself as a go-to player in Los Angeles and beyond. But the hustle of a new millennium career in music can take its toll, and Ferguson recently found himself suffering from a bit of technophobia, as the constant din of the internet became more of a bane than a benefit. So he turned once again to music, forming Ferghart to provide an ensemble to showcase his own laid-back brand of breezy, soulful folk music. In Ferghart, Ferguson slows down the frenetic modern pace and uses songs as time machines to glide back to a simpler time when humans played real instruments on well-crafted songs with ambling tempos and hummable melodies. When Ferguson needed players to make Ferghart live and breathe, he called ace musicians like David Sutton and Butch Norton, who, aside from comprising the instrumental band Buick Six, are most famous for backing up alt-country journeywoman Lucinda Williams. Ferguson's voice is an easy baritone, and he deploys it on melodies that exist like a sculpture in the framework of his compositions, with everything not essential to the song stripped deftly away. But it's Ferguson's guitar playing that speaks most clearly to the simpler sound for which he was searching. On his final EP, My Retro Weekend, he coaxes warm, tremolo-drenched tones out of his vintage Gibson hollow-body guitar that should provide a welcome anodyne in this hyper-connected world. Welcome to Independence Day, Ferghart, a.k.a. Craig Ferguson. Hey, Craig. How you doing? Good, man. Good to have you back. How are you? Thank you. It's been uh, several years. It's but, been a few uh, years. There's very, very few people who've been on the show. I mean, there's a bunch of people who've been on the show twice, like in the capacity as, of a player. Ted Russell Camp comes to mind, uh, some other folks as well. Um, but you came on a few years ago, uh, Rocky Neck Bluegrass Band was the name of that group, which yes. is still around more or less playing gigs uh but you're you're full-time music like you do a lot of different things musically right i do i'm i'm always in a couple different groups right now uh in fact this weekend i'm heading out to arizona to play some western swing uh-huh. with a fellow named tumbleweed rob okay and then later in the month i'll be doing a couple things for like soul gospel band little faith okay um so you know it's it's kind of crazy and um crazy in a good way though yeah no i wouldn't i wouldn't trade it for yeah. Okay. So now Ferghart is like the new, like solo version of you and whoever's playing with you. The example I think I used when we were setting up was like Iron and Wine is Sam Beam yep. and whoever happens to be playing with him. So exactly. why why come up with a name for like a band, like an ad hoc band, as opposed to just being Craig Ferguson? I, there's an obvious reason, but it, there may be other reasons. Right. Well, um, I think yeah. Aside from the obvious struggles with my name being the same as the comedian and if you go to google and you type in my name you will not find me until you get probably to like the you know at least the fifth page um so there that was that was part of it as well um but also um i think just giving something a label like that just gives it a creative space right you know it's it's and it, it allows me to sort of develop like a brand and an idea around it. And 
you know, a lot of that is come through in the vinyl. And then if you go online and look at the photos and videos, yeah, yeah, done, yeah. you can kind of see how it's the it's it's evolved into a thing yeah well branding you know exactly people you know want to be all artistic about their art but commerce is where the rubber meets the road without the exchange of money for services and and music we can't keep doing it so it makes a lot of sense to do something like that because then it'll like just like you said it allows you to present it you know, and, and you because especially because you play in different ensembles and you do different things. Like this is this is your incarnation of what you're doing. Absolutely. And then so where what's where does the heart come from? Like ah, what what's the uh, okay? I mean, it's like the most lowball question in the world. Is why is your band called what it's called? But where did it come from? Uh, my wife's uh, last name is Trueheart. Uh, you're a genius. No, she's a genius. <laughs> well, of course. Uh, Gerald Weber. Uh, what's from Amp? The Amp guy. Uh-huh. Uh, what's the name of his amp company? Uh, it's what is it? it's not it's not maybe i'm getting this wrong but like i remember talking to him on the phone one time i uh-huh. bought it no kendrick oh it's gerald weber from kendrick okay. why is his amp company called kendrick and i talked to him on the phone uh, i bought a pedal from him once and i when i worked in a music store i just called him up and talked to him we had a good conversation i was like why is it called kendrick and he's like that's my wife's last name and I was like, you're a genius that's how he sold her on the idea of starting his own amp company it was named nice. after her last name nice. so you're, you're a genius well, yeah, you know, it just it just fit together nicely. It took part of my name and part of her yeah. name, and it was just sort of a joke at first, and then yeah, it, it works though. It does, especially for the style of music you do, absolutely, which is great, by the way. I Thank really, you. I really, I, I really only know you in the capacity uh, as a bluegrass picker, and that's the what and you say, most people that's picker. that's all they know, and so yeah, I've I've ran into people in town um, who have maybe played dobro for or, or mandolin or something else, and. And they see me with a guitar, and I go, I don't even know you play guitar. You know, What's that line? Remember the movie Crossroads? Yeah. And he goes, damn it, Robert Johnson invented electricity, <laughs> or something like that. Anyway, I'm talking with Craig Ferguson, also known as Ferg Hart. Uh, it's a relatively new project, but you're a lifer in music. You're like a journeyman. You do a lot of different stuff. Uh, you can check out all his stuff. at. He's got his fully branded. You're all over the internet. You're like Ferg, and it's H-E-R-T, H-E-A-R-T. Yes, Like yes. The, the heart, as in El Corazon. Uh, Ferghart.com, Facebook.com slash Ferghart. You're on the YouTube, you're on the Instagram, you're on the Twitter at Ferghart. So if anybody wants to learn about this project, because you've got a new, you've got an EP, uh, <clears throat> a vinyl EP that just came out. Yes. Called My Retro Weekend, A-Side and B-Side. and But you're working on a full-length record, so your plan for world domination is in full effect. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I would love to have an opportunity to make that statement. And, and I, I definitely it's going to be on vinyl because um, I just... Has such a great experience making that, and I love the format. And, yeah, uh, let's hear about it a little bit. But first, let's let's hear what the actual music sounds like. We'll come back. We'll talk about like the the gnashing of teeth, what it took through, to, you know, <laughs> what you had to go through to get this done. So, uh, Craig Ferguson, also known as Ferghart, this is from his brand new EP, just came out late last year. The song is "My Retro Weekend" on Independence Day. <laughs> Suspend the life that I live I afford and befriend The latest trends I preserve and defend The savvy new friends Where we go transcend The vintage high-end Reach to call my friend The rotary spins And my shoes Old souls New life again Dreadful days they will go 
Soon I begin things I need that are old Give me reason to live on my retro Make a show for my friends on Kodak film Looking life through a lens On black wire rims and dreaming times Innocent, full of champagne and grins Young and hard, we condemn Our future regrets Set around, have a sip Watch a vinyl spin Look at books, photograms Of 40s events And drive a car old and dead to a reenactment on my retro To Independence Day, my name is Joe Armstrong. Come to you every other Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard or Daylight Time, as the case may be. Man, I'm actually looking forward for the to the warm weather coming back already. Yeah, and um, this rain is is amazing. It is great, and honestly, I love it. I really, really love it. We aside from the fact that we desperately need it, it's yes. nice to get some weather with a capital W. In other words, something other than sunshine, yes. which I love. I came here for the sunshine, but it's nice to get something different. We desperately need the rain. But even my friends back east, they think it's funny that I, I mean, I, I want to say I'm complaining because I do like it. But summer is still my favorite, and I can't wait for it to come back. Yeah, yeah. Long days, long evenings, long mornings, languorous time with tea in the morning, <laughs> birds chirping. Man, we, I pay a lot of money to live here, man. I want to get my money. Yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, so you're Los Angeles-based. Um, you've got a new project. You play in a bunch of different bands as a frontman, as a sideman, etc. Uh, this is your new project that's kind of like the... Um, your what would you call it? Is this your now is it gonna be your main thing or just another thing? I would it would be great if it was a main thing okay. eventually. So that's but, the goal. Um you know, you, you have to work and and, yeah. and this project is being heavily invested in right now. Right. But Right. Well, know. I'm excited for you, man. Thank that's a you. really, really cool thing. I'm glad to see you. Like, I hate to use the phrase "stepping out," but yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're like stepping out to do it on yep, your own. Absolutely. Um, the brand new, uh, uh, it's a seven inch vinyl. Yes. Forty five. Just random came out. Color. A, a side and B side. What's that? I'm sorry. It's random color too. Oh, is, let's see. What color is mine? You got, um, you got like psychedelic granite. That's well, what let's I check out what that looks like. Okay, people can't see this at radio on no. radio home, but like, your colored vinyl is like a thing. Oh, look at that. That's yeah. totally cool, man. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. That's wonderful. So why go through the trouble? Because, I mean, it's got to be expensive. It's expensive to do vinyl, period, plus the waiting time. So why do a single first rather than do a record? So the the main reason for it was that I, I wanted to kind of just, to not use the business lingo, but I wanted to test the market. You right. Know? And... Um, Initially, in the back of my mind, I thought, oh, it would be nice to do it on vinyl, but I really wasn't th- thinking that that would happen. So we tracked the two tunes, and you know, I'm thinking, well, I, sh- I don't really have the money to do a full length, and I-, and I don't think that I was ready yet. Right. So, and I, and I love, um, you know, I love the old singles that came out, like when Buddy Holly was out. That was all you had. You had a new single that came out. Here's a new 45 or whatever. And um, so I like the idea of that format. I also think that um, um, it would have been weird to put out a CD of two songs. Yeah. And it would have been... That was a thing for a while. Yeah. Like in the 90s. Yeah. And and it would have been weird to do a digital-only release. Um, I think putting something in a physical format just, I know, solidifies your release a little more. Yeah. Makes people feel like you're legit. I mean, at least people of a certain age, the kids don't seem to care at all. No. But, you know, people of, of a certain age, people who've worked in the business, people who, I mean, I, people who love records. Yeah. I love records. I mean, I'm not a vinyl evangelist, but I really do, you know, I don't collect stuff, you know, I'm not pouring over, you know, I don't spend all my nights in Amoeba pouring through <laughs> stacks of stuff. But when I buy a record nowadays, that's the primary format. Yep. I go to buy it in, and if I can't do that, I'll get a CD. Yep. Um, but I do like... I, I, I say this on almost every sh- on almost every show. I love liner notes. I love the artwork. I love seeing what you as the artist are presenting to me as the listener. How does the artwork work in with everything Absolutely. else? Is there a logo? Does do they care? To me, it just says they care. Yeah, you care, Craig. Well, and I did that artwork. You know, uh, uh, it, that still was from a music video shoot. Yeah, so it fits right in with the video. Yeah, and uh, and I just tinked around in photoshop for a long time <laughs> and <laughs> and uh and arrived at that and, and it's all laid out and and uh we got it printed um down at Stoughton in uh in city of industry and and very cool they do just the printing all, press you yep, mean for the okay all they do is jackets okay and you can go get a tour and it's they're they're doing 20,000 album jackets for so-and-so later. Wow. That's like that's sexy is what that is. It is crazy. I mean, it's a big operation. Yeah. Um, so, um, and which, 
which was an interesting process for me is is that I, I was um I didn't go with one manufacturer for the whole thing, which is mm-hmm. what a lot of people do. Right, right, right. Because they give you a package deal. If you people who don't have never bought a record or paid for a record to be made before, don't know that you go to someone like Disc Makers. There's a whole lot of other people, and like they give you a deal, and they and they can even do packages with stickers and T-shirts and yeah. download cards and koozies and everything. You know. Okay, so go on. I'm sorry. So I'm a nerd, and I, I make a spreadsheet, and I crunch some numbers, and it turns out that it's a better deal for me to. Go with people who just specialize. So Rainbow did the vinyl. Um, and Stoughton did the just the jacket. I packaged them myself. Stuff the stuff the Old jackets. School. Yeah. So um, and that made it affordable. Uh, the package deals were actually more expensive this time around. Okay. Than vinyl. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I I went through the ends of the earth to do my last record, which wasn't on vinyl, but I really wanted. This is going to be such inside baseball. Nobody's going to care about this, but I really care because I love records. But when it opened, I wanted a specific fold, and I wanted, because of the artwork was largely dark for this, like the shoots that we had done, yeah. I wanted them to paint the inside or black. Okay. I mean, not like the spine, I mean, not the record itself. So the spine, because usually if you open it up, like where you put the disc and the jacket in is just white. Right. But I wanted that to be, a, that was an option I paid extra to get because it just, that meant something to me. It fit yeah. in with everything else. So, you know, it's a, fi- it's a weird thing pricing that kind of thing out. It is. You know? So tell me this. I know for a lot of vinyls, for LPs, there's a big waiting list. Like yeah. months and months and yes. months. Like if you finish your record soup to nuts, ready to go out the door, master, glass master's done, you send it off. Like it can be six months or a lot longer. Like is it any different with a single? Uh yeah, it's exactly the same. The initial quote was twenty four weeks. Okay, so half a year. Yeah. Now they ended up getting it done a little quicker than that, um, which was good and bad because I actually was trying to time the print of the jacket to finish when the initial records were supposed to be done, and then the yeah. records came in early. So this whole thing, but um, yeah, it, it's it was way longer than I wanted to get this record out last spring, but yeah, it just. There's just record store day has made it so that um, right. You know, Rainbow gets I think they said 300 records a week. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I mean I think you know in the age of downloading, in the age of Spotify, in the age of streaming, I, you know vinyl sales have picked up. You know that the numbers are all out there, uh, but it's great because it's become more of a niche thing. Yep. And it's also become a thing. Uh, like a like a more special thing because you can just get the download. I'm assuming you're going to have downloads available and streaming available, right? Yeah, I, you know, I think especially for just this first single, you sort of have to. I think maybe if this all gets reissued on a full length or however that pans out, um, there may be a period of time where it won't be online and it'll just only be available from me. Um, but we'll see. Uh, that that yeah. It's we'll down the road. later, yeah. Uh, I want to do want to talk about the new record, but first I have a funny little like side story about vinyl and just downloading streaming, like the where we are in the industry right now. Because I have, um, I've got to the point where I'll buy things on vinyl, um, and a lot of times newer records will have a download card in there, which is very convenient because I still want to have it on my phone or my iPod or whatever, right? Um, but I bought a Big Star record down at right. Fingerprints in Long Beach last year, sure, and it didn't have a download card. So now it's kind of cool in a way because the only way I hear this Big Star record is on vinyl. Yeah. So, but I, there's a second weird thing to it because my turntable plays a little fast. So now it's going to be written into my soul as like 
25 cents fast or yeah. whatever it is. <laughs> All the tempos are going to be a little, little peppier, which is not so bad for like power poppy music. Yeah. And like the, the keys are going to be just a little higher, but it's also going to prevent me from like playing along with it because I'm not going to sit and retune my guitar yeah. from my dopey turntable, which plays too fast. I guess the ultimate problem is I just need to get a new turntable. Might be time. Might be time. All right. <laughs> My guest this week, Ferg Hart, a.k.a. Craig Ferguson. Uh, I'd like to almost call you an old friend, man. You've been on the show been a while. I haven't seen you. Bumped into you at Tony Starts Away in Burbank, yes. one of my favorite watering holes here in Los Angeles. Uh, you've got a stellar band with you. Uh, you've got David Sutton on electric bass. Butch Norton's going to play some drums. What's this first song going to be? I really want to get jump in and hear this. We're going to do um, a tune called 29 Forever. Okay. And this was... Um, you know, it was just a tune where the title sort of came from a joke. You know, oh, if I was 29 forever. Ah. Yeah. And it and just evolved from there. And uh, that's the way a lot of the songs I write go. The 10th anniversary of your 29th birthday? Uh, Isn't that what yet. people say? A <laughs> <laughs> couple more years. Whew. Anyway, but this sounds really great. When I mean, you guys were setting up, I mean, you guys are in for a treat. This is, this is just good stuff. These are great players. Tell, tell everybody who they're borrowed from. Uh, well, I'm borrowing them from Listen to Williams. Yeah, a name yeah. that draws a lot of water in this town uh, and in other does, towns yeah. as well. But they're great players. They're great guys. Really fun. And we're not even going to talk about uh, Butch's affliction. Little, <laughs> well, well, let's let that pass. So, all right. So this is uh, Ferghart, which is today comprised of Craig Ferguson, David Sutton, and Butch Norton. This is the track 29 Forever on Independence Day. <laughs> Twenty-nine forever Dreaming of things to be If we were all in love together Tonight I do believe That we'll be happy And full of glory To raise a glass To tell a story and with a nickel and a dime We'll be swinging for the moon And I'll be fixing all the leaks In a little house that could And it's there we'll find some peace Just you and me and our hearts at ease Yeah, we finally made the leap So in love willingly If we were 29 forever Dreaming of things to be If we were all in love together Tonight I do believe That we'll be happy And full of glory To raise a glass To tell a story We'll be 29 forever We'll be 29 forever We'll be 29 forever And with fading youth and the honest truth Oh, we cried all the way home You know what really hurts the most? We have so much but want more And in all the roads I've known Was never money over love 
know it takes a lot of guts But don't let that be us Cause we'll be 29 forever Dreaming of things to be We'll be all in love together But tonight I do believe That we'll be happy And full of glory To raise a glass To tell a story We'll be 29 forever We'll be 29 forever We'll be 29 forever We'll be 29 forever That's a brand new song from Ferg Hart. I am Joe Armstrong. Thank you very much for listening to Independence Day, also known as Craig Ferguson is that guy's Ferg Hart. Hey, Craig. How you doing? Good, good. It's raining in Los Angeles. I know. What are we going to do? Are we build an ark? <laughs> well, we'll see how the river does. See day. how the river does. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so great stuff. Thanks. Great stuff. Great players. Great sounds. Great tunes. Uh, a great thought, like the, the concept of 29 Forever. I'm going to be thinking about that all day now. <laughs> Good. <laughs> you know, like what, uh, which is what you want to do as a, as a songwriter, I feel like. Absolutely. It's so like, like, where, where do your, where does your inspiration come from? Like everybody gets it from somewhere different. Are you a guy who like scribbles in on the napkin at In-N-Out, standing in line? Uh, do you get out of bed and jump out of bed and like write on your phone? Like how, where does, or like wh- where does it come from for you? Well, it depends. You know, I, I have a little um, notes in my phone and, um, you know, it's usually when I'm out and about. Very rarely do I get in the middle of the night and write something. That once in a while, but mostly, I'll be in somewhere public, or I'll be listening to the radio, or watching, or just listening to somebody talk. You know, I'll be at a social event and somebody yeah. says something, and I'll be like, "Hold on, <laughs> yeah. write it down." Um, and it and it might only be two lines. Yeah, but that two lines, I can revisit that two lines a week later, two weeks later, it yeah. could be months later, and just be like, "I like those two lines still." Yeah, and then I start constructing from there. How about topics? Like everyone's got like the Springsteen, like you know, writes about cars and labor and like every every man, you know. So the, everyone's got kind of like their pet things. Like, do, are you self aware about your songwriting enough to know what the things you like to write about are? Good question. I don't know if I've really gotten to that point yet, um, but um, uh, I do tend to write things topical sometimes like um you know the well we'll talk we'll, we'll play it a little later but postmodern farmer is an example um where it was it stemmed from a magazine at sprouts called modern okay. farmer okay and then the wheels went turning from there right so um so yeah there usually are there's like a some kind of 
set topic or, or, or inspiration like that. And then it, I build a frame around that and just write within that. But okay. I, I wouldn't say that um, I've gotten any political okay. stuff happening yet. I mean, are you more impressionist with your writing? Are you more realist with your writing? Because, I mean, it's just a big thing. Like, you've got a record coming out. You've got new songs. Like, this is different for you. It's, it's your thing now. You know, and I think it's bad to get too self-aware about those kinds of things. Just you know, tr- channel channel the ideas in from the creative whatever it is that's out there, uh, the muse. Um, but you know, I don't know. I think it's it's funny when artists can sometimes like I, I know I like writing about summer, sure, yeah, you know, broken hearts, yeah, you know. And as whereas like there's like the Uncle Tupelo thing, whereas Tweety is always the interpersonal guy. His songs are very small in terms of what his you know topics are yeah. whereas Farrar is like a seer and writes in pastiches and impressions and and neither one is better than the other um and a lot of you know, the Beatles have that too where that's I love it when bands have that contrast between the two of them yeah whereas I I, I write more like Tweety at least I think I do but I, well, I aspire to be more like Farrar and story songs like that's like the great frontier for me mm-hmm. like being that untrustworthy narrator like Randy Newman or um Steve Earle does great story songs. Obviously, right. Towns does great story songs. Yeah. You know, anyway. John, John Prine is a huge influence on me, and um, especially in the lyric writing. You know, how did you come to Prine? Because a lot of people name check Prine. Like that's a guy I really, and that guy I love too. Well, um, like did growing up, my dad would spin Randy Newman and John Prine. Oh, now we're getting somewhere. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so I've been listening to John Prine for a long time, and in. In both those writers, even though I don't, I don't sit around and listen to Randy Newman that much anymore. But right. it just as a young person, you know, like some of those tunes. I mean, man, they're just um, the concepts of each song is so unique. Yeah. I think, so I think I draw a lot. Every time I hear Randy Newman, I think I should listen to more Randy Newman. Because yeah. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Do you, are you familiar with the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival up in San Francisco? I have been. And, it's fantastic. Um, I. Uh, yeah, I went I, about five years ago, and it was just... I remember going into the park, and in the distance, I could hear Emmylou Harris singing. Yeah. And man, it was just like an angel, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's fantastic. It's, I don't like music festivals as a rule. Too much money for too little content, short sets, terrible food and water accommodations, yeah. either too hot or too cold or too rainy or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I sound like an old man right now, but, but I don't know. I've never really liked them. Um, but that particular festival is worth... Everything that you, it's free, which is yeah. great. I, I hope just, they can love keep it, it up. But yeah, the point is, um, I saw Randy Newman at Harley Strictly maybe two or three years ago. Cool. And, you know, I was wondering, is he going to bring a band? What's he going to do? And he comes out, just a piano, just him. And he had that entire audience at a festival show where he's competing with like these louder bands. Yeah. And he's got the whole place in the palm of his hand yeah. every, and rapt attention. Everybody's hanging on his every word. And he was hilarious and brilliant and funny and tragic. And I mean, these the guys a gem. Yeah. Anyway, that's so, cool. So back to Prine and your dad. Like, uh, was your dad a musician, uh, or was you he know, just appreciate? He, he had a guitar around the house, um, and he's, he still has it. This old Yamaha plays great, um, but he doesn't play anymore. Um, and, but um, so there was just a point where I just one day just hey, can I play your guitar? You know, and I think he might have showed me a chord or two. Yeah. And I just kind of went off and. Um, and uh, so I think, yeah, him, you know, me growing up and having him sit around playing folk songs or whatever, you know, yeah, you don't think about it, of course, when you're young. But looking back, yeah, it's yeah. definitely part of. 
So were you this whole time as you've been you've been playing in other people's bands? Were you always writing your own material along the way, or is this like a recent thing? You know, I wrote, of course, when I was younger. You know, uh, teenagers and all that stuff, and then I didn't write for a lot of years. Um, around maybe seven or eight years ago, I started to write a little bit, and then uh, a couple years later, I started co-writing with Dean Viverito, and we would. We never released the tracks, but we just wrote some pretty ridiculous songs. But out of that mix, one of those co-writes was To Measure Up, which did make it onto the single. Okay. And at that time, it was completely different. I mean, it was... This song arrived at way more of a folk yeah. sound. Um, um, and that wasn't because I put it away for a couple of years, you know? Yeah. I pulled it out one day and, and just had a different... Totally different vibe. So style-wise, when you decide to kind of create a new thing based on you know what you do, um, is that something that was a conscious choice to to do like this particular style that you're doing, which is kind of like alt country-ish type of thing? Like, did you, or was there a point where it's like you know I want to get my rocks off and like be loud <laughs> and, and like you know play big star or play kiss covers or whatever you know? Because I know you coming from the bluegrass world, you know that's there are a lot of rules. Yo, in bluegrass. there's a lot of rules. You know? So obviously, to do anything other than that would be freeing. Yes. But you're not that far from it. No. You know? So why chose, why, why chose to go only as far as you did, I guess, maybe is the way to ask that. Um, well, part of it, I mean, there's many reasons. I'm forced, I'm not uh, 20 anymore, or 29. Um, but um, I, you know... I love one of my things that I love doing is like blues and Western swing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been like a big rockabilly person. I don't have the clothing or the hair for that. But um, you have a delay pedal. I do have a delay pedal. That's what you need, really. No. <laughs> and and so where I'm at is just a summary of all this love of old country, love of Western swing, blues, jazz, uh, and, and bluegrass. It's all kinds of comes yeah. together here. And yeah, that was sort of a conscious choice, but it was also just me acknowledging that these are all these things I do and that I, when I'm doing only bluegrass, I'm like, oh, I wish I could play that Western swing riff. Right. You know, and if I'm um, in, a, in a jazz, I haven't done a lot of straight edge jazz in a couple of years, but when I was there, I would play country stuff and, and the guys would just be like, why, what are you doing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, I just realized that I'm comfortable in a space that mixes all those things, and it also is a chance for me to write and, and write whatever, you know. Okay, and so now that you're, you're, how many songs have you got ready for the new record? Because the single just came out uh, on vinyl. By the way, pick it up. Uh, people should buy music. Yes, uh, Go to your Amazon. website, fergheart.com, yeah. uh, which will, Amazon has it. Uh, are you streaming it now, too? Uh, it's already? streamable now, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay, also, I know there's a video. There is a video, yeah. Christopher Lockett uh, directed that video, um, and uh, it's just a very simple video. We, um, he's, you know, we just kind of got two two cameramen. We got a bunch of different angles and just yeah, it's you and a room. Had some fun, yeah, yeah. Well, it doesn't need to be sledgehammer. No, no. Uh, Peter Gabriel for people under the age of twenty nine. <laughs> That's a great video. <laughs> it's a great video. It That's is. why I reference, but it's complex. <laughs> uh, so now with with the group of songs, like are you, how far are you into this, like the full album project? Are you well? Have you got half the songs tracked, half most of the songs written? Are you culling from thirty songs down to ten, or where where are you? Uh, we haven't we have not tracked. We have there are about fifteen or sixteen to pull from, and um, 
when one of these days when Dave and Butch are back in town in between their tours, um, we'll probably just grab a studio for a day and just go, okay. just go bang them out. Yeah. But yeah, the pull the I will let I let David handle the uh, the whittling down of tunes, and that's your producer. Yeah. yeah. So I want to I want to talk to you because this is like this fascinates me. This place that you are in your career, having worked in music for so long, and then deciding to do your own thing is is so interesting to me. And I want to talk about that like producer artist relationship at sure. that point, like how you pick one. Does he pick you? You know, where, where does the money come from? That kind of thing. Um, but first, more music. You've got this great band. You've got great songs. What's next? We've got um, a song that I wrote. Um, I'd started writing this um, a couple of years ago, but it was unfinished. Um, when my mother, um, when my grandmother had passed away, we had gone up to Seattle because um, that's where she's from originally. And um, we did this thing where we went out on a ferry um, and out into the bay and... Uh, my mom did this sort of symbolic thing where she threw, uh, took two roses, one for her mom, one for her dad, and threw it over the edge. Mm-hmm. And as they flew down, she said, goodbye, mom and dad. Wow. And I was just so moved by that. Yeah. I'm getting moved right now. Yeah. yeah. So so then, so that was the that, that was the seed for that song. I was like, I have to write something about yeah. that. Yeah. So fast forward a couple of years, and my mom uh, gets cancer. And um, Very sorry to hear that. Thank you. Um, and... I ended up singing, finishing that song, and, and and finishing the remainder of that song about her, about that day, and about her, and then uh, I ended up singing it at her memorial. Oh which, Lord! Yeah, which you're uh, killing me, man. I know it was. I'm um, so sorry. That's the worst. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I was surprised that I got through it. But, yeah, um, yeah. It was a. Uh, I was at a, a church, and a couple yeah. hundred people came out. She had a lot of work colleagues. Um, through her work as a hospice nurse, uh-huh. and she actually went through the hospice system, which was really amazing because yeah. uh, she had old coworkers coming to help her. It was yeah, it was, yeah. So um, performed that song, and and that uh, was the first time I played it live. I think. So. Well, I mean, good job, like bringing the real stuff in because yeah. that's the stuff heavy. Well, you know, you don't want to be like, I don't want to give platitudes or like gloss over it, but like writing about the real stuff is what makes it good. Yeah. Writing about the stuff that moves you, the stuff that, uh, you know, the common experience of the human experience, tragedy, life, death. It's, you know, nobody writes about, nobody watches shows about making coffee on Tuesday mornings. It's not very interesting. Yeah. It's those moments where we're coming or going. Yeah, or a relationship is coming or going, or something like that. That's where the that's where the that's where the good stuff is. Yep. So I'm I'm sorry. I'm terribly sorry for your loss, but I really commend you for making art out of that. It's a really beautiful well, thing. Thank you. And before the song, real quick, just so we can have a little bit of levity, at my grandfather's funeral, God rest his soul, love that guy. Um, in the rural Alabama, at the gravesite, they and my relatives had asked me to lead a singing of, <laughs> "Hey, good looking." Ah. Um, <laughs> uh, Hank. Yeah, Hank Williams. Because uh, apparently that was his favorite song. Now, my grandfather's not a big musician, so who knows if that's true or not, but yeah. it was close enough. And like, So here's all the Armstrongs that's sitting in funny. the red dirt singing Hey, Good Looking at my grandfather's funeral. So that's our <laughs> moment. So, you know, it's sad to lose Grandpa, but what a great way to send him off. Yeah. Anyway, so the song is Throw a Rose in the Ocean. Heavy stuff, but it sounds great. Uh, this is the band Fergheart on Independence Day. <laughs> With a flower in hand 
He set out to sea with a wind and a thread of new rain to make peace and to say in that somber breeze this love will not wither away but a cut from a thorn like a tear as it bleeds now who will carry the torch so to send them away you let fly to the bay and you cried out goodbye mom and dad throw a rose in the ocean sails to a home on a path for your mother and dad to a land bright and golden with those gates wide open falling in love once again in the morning we gathered and thanks to good winter memory of a beautiful laugh Oh, you loved her to say that she'd be there on the day and you know you'd have someone to call But a true love is waiting above patiently to have and a welcome her home so to send them away you let fly to the bay and you cried out goodbye mom and dad I throw a rose in the ocean it sails to a home on a path for your mother and dad to a land bright and golden with those gates wide open falling in love once again I throw a rose in the ocean it sails to a home on a path for your mother gates wide open falling in love once again so to send them away you let fly to the bay and you cried out goodbye mom and dad My name is Joe Armstrong. Thank you ever so much for listening to Independence Day. Come to you every other Wednesday night. Listen to us at indepday.com, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y.com. Also on iTunes, indepday.com slash iTunes. There's a bunch of gibberish for the, the actual URL that uh, that iTunes sent me, Apple sent me, but it's just, <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. So I kind of fixed that yeah, through the yeah, miracle absolutely. of technology. Yes. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Indepday. We're on Instagram as well at Indepday. We're also branded pretty much just like you are all over the internet, all over the world. 
uh, it's, we were talking about this with setting up with the guys. Like we're slave to something that doesn't exist. Yeah. Like the internet, I like to think, like doesn't really exist. We created it, and it's all electronic. But if like someone turned off the big switch, poof. Yeah. All of it goes away. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's the craziest thing. Uh, but what, what, what <laughs> I want to get into this this like producer artist relationship, sure. especially in regards to you, because you're you're a journeyman in music. You've been doing yeah. it for a long time. You make your living at it. To approach it from an artist's perspective, as the singer, the main guy, you're the namesake of the artist. Um, how do you then pick a producer? Do you you've worked with is it someone you've worked with in the past? Did you like call up your buddy and say, "Hey, I'm thinking about doing my own thing. Would you be involved?" Um, how do you do it? Yeah, it was it was kind of like that. I mean, I I met David years ago uh, after a gig at Hotel Cafe and and David um, Sutton, David Sutton, yes, and. Um, I, at the time, I was backing up a songwriter named Eric Jansen, and he we he was making a record, and I called David and and just said, hey, you know, I I literally just met him in a parking lot, looked him up, I was like, oh, this guy's got to be good, you know. Yeah, he looks good. <laughs> he looks good. Sounds, you know. No, I, I saw him play that night too, um, and it, but he's he's great. So we uh, we make that record, and I had a Butch ended up being on that record as well, at least half of it, and um, Butch Norton, drummer. Yes, Butch Norton, and. Uh, Go to the doctor, Butch. Couple years, yeah. <laughs> Couple years. <laughs> looked at. I'm sorry. Go on. Inside joke. So, uh, you know, we just kept in touch over the years, and uh, but hadn't played in a long time. And when I just came up with the idea of this and the and the sound, I just like who who do I who would I love the most to play with? And, and and Butch Norton and David Sutton were the guys, and so I reached out, and um, you know, we just. I reached out and we, um, uh, you know, had a little meeting and talked about the tunes and and. Um, so did you approach him as a player first and then a producer, or was it kind of all at the same time? Well, I mean, years ago when we made that record for Eric Jansen, you know, I was just playing on it, and I, I think I was co-producing with Eric. And, um, uh, but uh, yes, in this for this project, I mean, I just reached out and said, "Hey, you know, I'd, I'd like to." I'd like to not produce this myself. Okay. That was a conscious choice. Right. Um, it's a choice that did increase the budget, mm-hmm. but um, I have absolutely no regrets about it. Um, you know, there are so many people out right now that are self-producing and it works out for some people and it, and it, and I think it doesn't for others. I think for other people, it's a, it's a, they're, they're disadvantaging, you know, uh, giving themselves a disadvantage. And so, um, I really was willing to say, "Hey, I'm, I want to go work with the elders uh, in the scene and people right. who have done more gigs than I have and have been more places." Yeah, well, that's the trick, you know. It's a wise person in music just said, "Always," and this is with anything in life, I guess. Always, always like work with people better than you are. Yeah, yeah, you know, because they they elevate you. Even Sting said that, like yep. when he broke out of the police, you know, and he wanted mm-hmm. to go do a thing. He's like, I, "Best people possible." Yep. I'm sure, because that pushes you. It does absolutely to be better. So let's talk about the just real quick the people that you chose and why you chose them. Um, you know, well, obviously we you know uh, David and Butch, you know, um, but on here you've got Eric Haywood. Yeah, works on here. He's worked with Sunvolt and Rayla Montaigne and countless other people. Uh, who else is on here? Let's take a look here because some of the names I don't know very well. Oh, Phil, Phil Parlapiano, who I love, who we've had on the show, and what I'd like to call him an Independence oh, Day yeah. artist. Yeah, love his sense of humor. Yeah. Funny guy. Yep. Uh, yeah, he ended up playing um, Willitzer and trumpet on my retro weekend and that was again that was all david's call and and uh um i mean i remember david saying yeah it needs trumpet and i'm like okay. <laughs> just it was i was sort of 
surprised by that call, but I said, hey, whatever, you know. And I love how Phil approaches the playing of those instruments, because mm-hmm. I talked to him about how he got into John Prine's band, because sure. that was the thing, like Mr. Squeeze is what Prine called him, because yeah. he played accordion, and he's like, yeah. well, I was just a musician and a keyboard guy, yeah. and somehow or another, Prine figured out that he could play accordion, and yeah. that kind of became a thing, yeah. and now like that's what he's known for. Exactly. You know, because Phil's played on heavy hitter records, he's played uh-huh. on a lot of stuff. Yeah, great guy. I haven't seen him in too long. I've seen it's been too long. Yeah, we should have coffee, the three of you us. Should. Phil. <laughs> anyway, I'm talking with uh, Ferghart, Craig Ferguson. We're talking about the producer artist relationship. So you commit to doing the record, uh, but you've only done just the two songs so yeah. far. Yeah. Okay. Now you're going to keep with the same. So we talked about this. I think. Are, are you? Do you know if these songs are going to wind up being on the record, or will this just stand alone as an EP? Or is it too soon to tell? It's too soon to tell. Um... And uh, it really, this thing, I mean, it just came out, so kind of, we'll see how the next couple months go, and okay. that will kind of inform that decision. But I don't, I have nothing against uh, reissuing it if I need to, because there's only a limited copy of those, okay. and once they're gone, they're gone, I'm not going to make that pressing again. So most likely, they may end up on, on, the, on a full okay. length, we'll see. And is, is there a goal, because goals are very important for this kind of thing. Because uh, I will, I will dick around with, you know, adding percussion tracks yeah. and harmonies <laughs> and glockenspiel, and I, I'll spend forever. I'm like, yeah. I, I, I was gonna say I'm like George Martin, but I'm no one's like George Martin. But when I get into the studio, I really start to tinker around. I yeah. love that process so much, and I love mixing. Um, so, will you, like, say, okay, this is gonna be done by October first, or will you? Is it more of like a financial consideration? You just do it as you go. Yeah, um, in this case, we, you know, we didn't really have a set deadline, and we, you know, tracked it, uh, and then a couple months they were on the road a bunch. So when they got back, um, we actually ended up retracking one tune, um, and so as far as moving forward, yeah, there's, I would, I would love to have a record out by next January. Okay. But Okay, well, it's not that far off. Time flies, man. I know, and that's the problem. It could be longer than that, but, you know. Plus, you've got the we'll vinyl see. backlog. You can do vinyl for the full-length one, too? I would love to, yeah. Okay. Now that I've got that system kind of worked out and yeah. the budget and all that stuff. Okay, so this is really inside baseball, and then I want to hear another tune, okay. and we'll talk about some more stuff. But, like, we live in a digital multi-tracking universe. Yes. Right? And it's possible to multi-track on analog tape, be yes. it live to two-track or 16, 24, whatever. Did you... Because I've talked to other engineers now, and they're they're of the opinion that we're at a place with Pro Tools technology right. that it's good enough that when you put that on vinyl, even though it sounds weird to put something like that on vinyl, that it actually right. makes sense now. Yeah. Whereas before, it would just be a crappy, like basically taking a CD and putting it on vinyl. Yeah, yeah. Like, are you recording digitally? We did, we did record digitally, um, and what we had, what I did for the vinyl is I had a different mastering engineer, JJ Golden, do his own cut magic you know. yeah so so though it's it's technically i guess though it is the master that it is it is from a digital source i let him do his thing you know and cut it his way yeah but with sample rates and stuff or, like that yeah, sample rates bit rates uh that kind of thing bit depth uh it sounds pretty nice now i mean yeah. i'm sure you know, yeah we did it like 96 and yeah the whole thing and, and that's and, only going to get better over time yeah yeah 
You know, I mean, what, what is the limit do you think people can hear? Who knows? Neil Young, who has kind of sold us up the river, I think, a little bit on this kind of thing. I think we might be already there. You know, I even did a self-quiz once. There's a, like a, I don't forget the website, but it was like, you know, playing MP3s and then a different sample rates and... I got some of them wrong, and I thought, oh, yeah, well, I but I'm supposed to know this, you know. I can hear the crappier, yeah. like the MP3s, the older ones that I ripped sure. a long time ago, sure. or downloaded maybe. Yeah, uh, they they sound terrible, you know. But I, I actually still, you know, I, I have friends who taunt me like I don't stream, I don't have Spotify. Yeah, people yeah. might be surprised, you know. I produce music constantly. I have a yeah. music show. Uh, I don't stream. I mean, I stream off of people's websites, that kind yeah. of thing. But I don't pay yeah. a subscription service partly because yeah. I. It sounds weird, but people aren't getting paid. And it makes me angry, or you're being paid properly. David Lowry's suing Spotify. Now. I know, I just saw that. And uh, so it's a weird place. Yep, it's a weird place with that. So anyway, how about another? So this another tune. What's this next one? This one's uh, Postmodern Farmer. Postmodern Farmer. Okay, did, did I set that up like twenty minutes ago and I then think we so. rambled? Okay. Yeah, that's how it goes. That's yeah. how I am. Yeah, I'm just as God made me. Anyway, all right, Ferg Hart on Independence Day, Postmodern Farmer. <laughs> to make a lot of art for art's sake Well I sold a few prints I never found the fame But I am who I am and I'm not amused With supply and demand and the social rules The truth is I'm not a genius and you don't need me Everyone can make art in theory So I dress me up in some manly style And headed down the road a couple hundred miles I'm going back to the land For I'm a postmodern farmer Gonna build up with my hands For I'm a postmodern farmer I'm going back to the land Oh, the field is a canvas with a better view With my hands in the dirt, I can kill the blues Oh, the work may be hard, but I don't give a damn Cause the shovel looks good in my right hand Oh, to learn and to grow, to live and sustain With two hands on the harvest growing local grain And it's a better way, no need for reason And I need the fall and the changing seasons Going back to the land For I'm a postmodern farmer Gonna build up with my hand For I'm a postmodern farmer Going back to the land Ooh. 
I can't end this song without a loving bride When I got to the town, so happy she cried For she too could not stand the status quo But I knew just where we could go We're going back to the land we are postmodern farmers We're gonna build up with our hands But we are postmodern farmers We're going back to the land We're going back to the land We are postmodern farmers gonna build up with our hands But we are both some modern farmers Going back That was Ferghart with the song Postmodern Farmer. That's a brand new song. All the songs that you're playing today are brand new songs, which is a great thing. But you're, I keep calling you a journeyman because you've been around for a long time. This is like a, kind of a new thing. Like you're stepping out and doing your solo artist thing, right? Absolutely. And, and um, you know, I, I just needed a, a creative space to yeah. make some new music. And, and um, you know... I can write whatever and I don't have to worry about other band members, you know, maybe I don't want to sing your song today or right. <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, it's a little more freedom. So. Yeah, well, definitely. Um, and so when you're, you're booking live shows for this, I mean, yeah. it gives you flexibility as well because you can do them as yourself and your Ferg Heart. You can uh -huh. do them with a horn section and a string section and an orchestra and your Ferg yep. Heart. You know, it's, it's, it's like the best of both worlds, really. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you anticipate I mean, do you aim to do shows with a four-piece, a three-piece, a two-piece? Like, what when you imagine what like the heart of Ferghart is? Like, what is that? What does it sound like? Um, well, I really like the trio setup um, yeah, because it gives the guitar space to do. Mm -hmm. and, and and through my background with jazz and playing and jazz guitar trios, it was guitar-based drums. You know that right? That's a comfortable space for me. Um, I do eventually want to be able to have some extra singers with mm -hmm. me. I love those. Something that's completely missing, I think, from a lot of music right now is those iconic background singers. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I, you know, man, I grew up on that stuff too. Yeah. Uh, like the Stones and Pink Floyd and plus yeah. all the jazz and soul. And I always have background. I have a trio of background yeah. singers. Maybe I'm just chicks. showing my age. I don't know. But I just love no, it's that great. stuff. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great thing that that uh, uh, what was it uh, twenty feet from stardom? Yeah, great movie. I forget the girl's yes. name, but the girl sang on um, uh, the Stones tune, mm -hmm. not Brown Sugar. Uh, Mary, rape, murder. What the hell is that song? Oh, uh, give me uh, shelter. Give me shelter. Yeah, yeah. And the, how she was in curlers and she was yeah. pregnant, and I got her yeah. out of bed, and she came down to the studio. And you listen to that isolated vocal. I had to stop the DVD and rewind it like four times because yeah. it was gave me chills. It is, and because yeah. it gives you chills hearing it in the midst of all that other stuff going on. But when you hear her sing that solo and her voice 
breaks at that top note. Yeah. That's the real stuff. Yeah. Right there, man. That's why rock and roll is awesome. Absolutely. Anyway, that's why she's awesome, too. All right. So let's just, I want to talk about one more thing before we get to the last song here, which is a really special treat. I'm glad you, we decided to put this, put this in the mix here. It's a really fun song. I'm looking forward to hearing this, and I hope everyone else is, too. Um, but you make a living in music. You've done so for yeah. a long time. This is really kind of a difficult thing. So talk to me. I don't want numbers. I don't care what the actual <laughs> numbers are, right? But talk to me, like, where... A lot of young musicians might be listening. They're looking at getting into music. Like, how do I do this? You know, I'm I'm working at Starbucks or I'm digging holes or whatever you got to do to get by in the music business. A lot of people do a lot of different things. So in your world, like, how do you piece it all together? Like, what percentage of your income comes from live performance versus yeah. do you do scoring? Do you do producing? You know, because that's a lot of, a lot of musicians cobble together or call together their income from a lot of different ways and in a lot of different ways from different sources how do you do it i am successful at the umbrella method i like to call it where um i have probably i mean just between three or four bands um some songwriting um uh, gigs and I teach a little bit. I do workshops. Um, well, right, but what's is? I mean, this is this is ballpark numbers. Like, is you know, live music. It seems very hard, especially in L.A., to make a living as a live performing musician. True. I don't play in L.A. that much. That's now we're getting somewhere. Uh, yeah, that's my point. Uh, you know, we go and and do a festival out of town, and coming back with money that does pay rent. You know, right? I mean, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I definitely make more money traveling than I do staying in town. Okay. And would you say that's the bulk of your income right now is from doing live gigs, going out on the road? Uh, you 40%? Know, like I said, I want numbers. I would say a third. I would say okay, a third. third. And then the other third is probably um, the combination of I've got uh, a, a bunch of background music cues in about 60 TV episodes, various things. The Voice, uh, Pawn Stars, you know, it's just it's just background music, and I get how little... on earth does one get those types of gigs? Well, um, it's just it's all music library stuff. So mm-hmm. so you have, um, and 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 that part of the business is changing. I will say so. If you're young and wanting to get into that, um, do a lot of research because um, there was a period of time there where you could have. Um, your music in multiple libraries and they're all submitting for the same shows and now things are getting more exclusive so um you'll find a library will say okay we were going to buy your buy 10 tracks from you and you can't you can't give those to anybody else mm. no but, I, yeah but all that's all that stuff is done through library and music houses that have relationships with music editors you can go directly to music editors i suppose i've never i don't have haven't had time to to make all those calls but um, the libraries are are responsible for making. No, are that. these full songs? No, just little cues. Like you sit yeah. around all day and yeah, come up ninety with seconds, riffs. ninety seconds or less. Most Interesting. Of them. Yeah. In fact, um, probably the longest placement I have is maybe thirty five seconds tops. Wow. One of the biggest ones I wrote is like ten seconds long. It's like a kick drum and an organ. Hmm. And, and and it gets used over and over again. Wow. The problem with those, they're they're so short they don't pay that well. Right. But all that comes in, you know, direct deposit. Yeah. And, and it's there. So, and well, it's it becomes kinda, passive money once you once exactly. you create it. And so that I actually made this vinyl record from that income. Okay. So, you know, I was able to um 
uh, reinvest. You know. And it is okay. So then, is the final third is that like robbing liquor stores or <laughs> no. <laughs> no, teaching it's, it's lessons? Thing, it's things like sometimes I will fly um, to a conference and sp- speak on um, you know panels or to give a workshop, and so that's that's the other third of that income. And how does one get that kind of work? Well, the festival stuff where I do workshops at festivals, that's usually tied into that negotiation. We'll say we're gonna. We're going to play X amount of days, and on the third day, I'm going to give a workshop, and it's it's part of the negotiation, so um, it'll be part of my lump sum okay. pay. Um, the, the music camp thing, you know, those come about usually by just reaching out and applying. You're just constantly applying for work, yeah. you know. It's, it's, it's as if you're unemployed, but, you know, right. you're, you're just always kind of looking for... You know, the, the 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 conference well the first conference I ever did that was just me reaching out and saying hey this is what I'm doing this, I think I can bring something interesting an interesting angle to what you guys are doing right and they said yes and so you know it just goes from there the oddball truth of the music industry you know musicians get a a, a reputation it's kind of cliche to think that they're lazy you know they go into it so they don't have to have a real job so they yeah. can sleep till noon every day and do drugs yeah. all night and hang out in the Hollywood Strip yeah but. I got to tell you, musicians are some of the hardest working people I know. Yeah. And it's hard to show for it sometimes because it's not like you work that much harder and you get 10 times the income. They're working 10 times harder to make a living yeah. at it. And they may make an okay living at yeah. it. But and that's the thing that I don't want to discourage people. There are a lot of ways to make money in the music business. Sure. You know, not but just like every industry, every other industry, you know, maybe the top 5% are making a lion's share of the money, but there's still a lot of work to be had as long there as you're is. willing to branch out and do the actual work. Yep. And you have to really be willing to put in the hours. I mean, I I basically uh, I like to say that I do 12-hour days at least 6 days a week. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um Hopefully, eventually, I can reduce those hours some. But how close? You know, when you were a kid and you were dreaming about, you know, living and making a living in music. How close have you come to that dream? <laughs> I mean, I remember, um, you know, when I was in high school, I just, I just wanted to be a musician. I didn't really have, I, I wasn't somebody who wanted to be a star or anything. And so, I guess in some ways, I've, I have arrived. I am doing what I said I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so really now it's just about growing from where I'm at and, and working smarter and not harder. <laughs> <laughs> the Michael Jordan aesthetic. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. when he couldn't jump quite as high, he learned how to beat you a different way. Absolutely. You know, I love that guy. I've come from Chicago, though. Yeah, how can you not you love Michael to. Jordan? Anyway, so uh, we're just about out of time, man. Uh, we've got one more song. We've been kind of saving this. This is a really, really special one. And it's also stylistically an interesting thing because the theme of this song is very logically what you're doing with your new project. Absolutely. But you're playing it in the old style of the uh-huh. stuff that I know you for doing with before. <laughs> so set this up for me. What is this last Okay, one? so this is a really great tune. Uh, Gilly Welch and David Rollins recorded it, and um, it's called I Want to Sing That Rock and Roll. And um, I added this to the set for a lot of live gigs um this year and i uh it's just because it sort of is it is what uh, i'm getting to do you know um, yeah out of out of the years playing bluegrass and, and and jazz and blues and whatnot you know um 
yeah, it's just a chance for me to get out and yeah. sing some rock and roll. And it's a fantastic song because it's one of those songs like late in the game. In other words, people have been writing rock songs for 50, yeah. 60 years. But it comes late in the game and it captured something yep. that was always there, yeah. which is what the best songs always are. Like they find that universal truth somehow. Yep. And, and I, I wanted to flat pick it in, in the style that it, 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 I mean, David Rollins sort of flat picks it, but... I sped it up maybe a little bit and gave it a little more of an old timey, yeah, um, stomp kind of feel. And but that's, you know, that's just me putting my stamp on it. You know, yeah, getting all trad on it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Furcart, Craig Ferguson playing a Gillian Welch and David Rowling song. I want to sing that rock, rock and roll because damn it, I do too. Honestly, yeah. I love yeah. singing the rock and roll. All right, let's hear this on Independence Day. sing that rock and roll I want to electrify my soul Cause everybody been making the shouts big and loud Been drowning me out I want to sing that rock and roll I've been traveling near and far But I want to lay down my old guitar Sing that rock and roll I want to electrify my soul Cause everybody been making the shouts Big and loud been drowning me out I want to sing that rock and that glory land and I want to shake my Savior's hand and I want to sing that rock and roll I want to electrify my soul cause everybody been making the shouts big and loud been drowning me out I want to sing that rock and roll Everybody been making the shouts big and loud, drowning me out. I wanna sing that rock and roll. I wanna sing that rock and roll. Man, I'm going to have to hose you off after that. That was pretty uh, good. That's hot picking, man. <laughs> Thank you. Good stuff. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love, love David, uh, David and Gillian. I love what you did with it. Uh, the rest of the stuff, I'm really looking forward to this full-length album coming out, man. All it's right. really, really great. Keep at what you're doing. Um, I think you've made a cool choice to kind of re rejigger the compass to kind of do your own thing. Because yeah. I didn't know, you know, who knows what people are up to, but I'm, I'm happy to find out that you're, that you're both capable and interested in doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. Thank you. I'm you know? so thankful for you having me and... Uh... 
just uh, really glad to share these new tunes. Yeah, and please do keep us abreast of when this new record drops. You know, I would love to hear you know what you're up to, what the full-length thing sounds like. And if you need someone to come play Shaker, man, I'm the yeah. man. <laughs> All right, so thank you to Craig Ferguson from Ferghart, as well as his band, David Sutton and Butch Norton. Also to the Independence Day staff, Valentina Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. The whimsical Tony Tonelope Piscotti manages the Independence Day website, thanks to him. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. As always, for Independence Day, I am Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another.